Disclaimer, this content is meant for information only and not as a diagnosis or medical treatment for any condition. If you or a loved one needs help, please seek a qualified professional for assistance. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Katie Osta, BSN, RN, IBCLC, and infant feeding specialist. Quench your thirst for knowledge and travel with me across the nation to discover, learn, collaborate, and better serve clients from all over the globe. Let's ride and thrive together. Welcome to the podcast, Katie, the Traveling IBCLC, episode one. Thanks for joining me. Let me start by introducing myself and what this podcast is going to be about. My name is Katie Olsta. I'm an RN, BSN, IBCLC, and feeding infant feeding specialist. That means I have my bachelor's in science in nursing. I have worked for 21 years helping moms and babies. I've worked in labor and delivery, the neonatal intensive care unit, postpartum, and most recently for the last five years, exclusively in lactation. My journey was fairly straightforward at first. I was a labor and delivery nurse for 15 years. I did a little bit of time in the neonatal intensive care unit, but I discovered that was a little too high stress for me, especially after the joy of a labor and delivery unit. And then I had an accident in 2014. I fractured my shoulder really badly and wound up with a shoulder replacement after two years of physical therapy and rehab and multiple surgeries. That shift in 2014 caused me to leave the bedside, come out of the hospital and look at outpatient and how I could help families in a different way. I could no longer be the one welcoming their baby at that moment of birth, but that didn't mean I couldn't work with new moms and babies. It didn't mean I couldn't support new families. And actually I discovered My favorite part of labor and delivery had always been that first breastfeeding experience. And now I would make my entire career about lactation. So when I made that switch, I first worked in the hospital in Washington. I worked at both Evergreen in Kirkland and Providence in Everett. They were both great places to work. I learned a lot, both from the patients, from other providers, from my coworkers, from the experience at all. It was a wonderful experience. I learned what you need to see and do in the hospital and how those first 24 or 48 hours really are from a different perspective. It was very different than when I worked postpartum. As a postpartum nurse, I had a focus of you know, making sure the mom's vitals were stable, making sure that she got up and went to the bathroom. Was she eating? Was she in pain? Did she breastfeed? But it wasn't my main focus. As a lactation consultant, I got to come in the room and only focus on breastfeeding. The best part of my job was really education. Actually, if you ask me in truth, I really would say lactation is 90% education. Yes, I weigh babies and I find out what they transferred. I do a physical assessment. I, you know, both on mom, on baby's mouth, on baby's whole body, on mom's breasts. But really what my job is, is education, education on the norms, education on what is normal for feeding to be like. It is normal for a baby to cluster feed. It is not normal for a mom to be in pain. So I spend a lot of time teaching norms. I also spend a lot of time teaching how to adapt to what's going on. We don't always have the perfect feeding experience right away. So we work on how to make it better. And as I do that, I'm teaching the parents, how can we position better? Can we try laid back or koala hold instead of sitting upright in cross cradle? Can we try getting that 
chin to the breast first? Can we try, you know, a nipple shield? So there's lots of different things that I'll educate and teach the parents on, but I'm here for one feed. Even if I'm lucky enough to see my client twice a week, there are, you know, potentially 56 or more feedings in a week. And I was there for two of them. So my job really is to give them the tools and the knowledge going home so that they can do this. I won't be doing it for them, right? I'm here as their advocate, as their educator, as their supporter, but I'm not going to be able to do it for them. So I would say 90% of lactation is education. It's teaching the clients how to manage what they have, how to work towards our goal and how to get to where they want to be. So that brings us up to me working in the hospital. But then in 2019, I moved back to California and I started my own private practice. Wow, private practice was such an eye-opener. I thought I had lactation kind of down in the hospital. I was really good in those first 48 hours. I even in Everett worked in an outpatient clinic and I saw babies after they went home, which was great experience. But I walked into private practice a little unprepared. I didn't quite realize how different it would be. I was seeing babies, not only from four or five days old, but sometimes five months old, sometimes 10 months old. I was seeing babies all through their breastfeeding experience and it was glorious. It is absolutely amazing to be able to work with moms and babies throughout their breastfeeding experience and to see moms that are nursing longer, not stopping it you know, three weeks because they couldn't get a supply in or they didn't have the support they needed. Those first weeks are crucial, but we shouldn't abandon the moms and babies after that. They need that continued support. In my dream world, one day we're going to have pediatrician appointments, little well checks, which in my mind should happen more often, but regardless, after each pediatrician appointment, the pediatrician would leave the room. And if the family was wanting to or actively breastfeeding, the lactation consultant would come in after the pediatrician and say, hey, how's it going? I see you guys are four months old. You've been breastfeeding. You know, how's your supply? How are you returning to work? What's happening now? And then at six months, they could come in and say, hey, how have you thought about introducing food? Have we transitioned to a sippy cup? What are we thinking about this? How can we choose some developmentally appropriate cups? There's so much education to be done in this job. And there's Families out there so hungry for this knowledge. They're so they're very overwhelmed with the amount of things that they don't know. And the hardest thing when you are in a new learning environment is knowing what you don't know. They don't know to ask for a developmentally appropriate sippy cup because they've never thought about it. They think that if the cups are out there, they're all fine. Same with the bottles, right? Every bottle is equal. Unfortunately, not so but they don't know to ask that. We need to be there and we need to talk to them and help them and give them more education along the road. So in private practice, I really, really learned so much and I really delved into continuing ed, into conferences, into classes. You know, I just, I discovered how I thought I knew enough not, not necessarily enough, but I thought I knew, well, yeah, I guess I would say I thought I knew enough. I thought I knew enough to do my job really well in the hospital. It wasn't until I went into private practice that my eyes were really opened up and I realized that I was seeing a tiny slice of the pie, that there was so much more out there and there were tons that I didn't know. And now 
you know, two years later, I would say I'm more comfortable saying that there are things I don't know than I was two years ago, even though I know tons more than I did two years ago. The more I learn, the more I want to learn, and the more I hunger for that knowledge. And I I really want to learn from other providers. I know that I'm not going to get it in a school that becoming a lactation consultant didn't teach me all of these things. You get it taking conferences, taking classes, reading books, talking to other providers. I watch other providers. When my babies go to the chiropractor, I go watch. I go learn and see what does the chiropractor see from their side. When my baby has a phrenectomy, frequently I go watch. I need to know what that's going to look like. I've been there. Do I do it every time? Of course not. But I need to see through the lens of other providers, not to be that provider, but to be a better lactation consultant. I can teach my clients what to expect at those appointments. I can talk to them about how it's going to be afterwards. So the more I learn, the more I want to learn. And I just, I just love learning and I love what I do. And I want to really help families the best way possible. So, you know, this is what I was doing when COVID hit. And then April of 2020, when COVID hit and everyone's world changed, mine not, was not the only one, obviously, it really changed how I looked at lactation because all of a sudden I couldn't be hands-on in the room with the client. And at first I stopped working. I, I didn't work a lot the first month and I regrouped and I went, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to do. How am I supposed to see clients? I'm scared to be in the same room as them. I have a husband with asthma. I have children at home, you know, and, and from one client to the next, I'm seeing moms with new babies who are very vulnerable. I don't want to expose anyone. And we didn't know initially, right? We didn't know enough about how to be safe. So initially I paused for a few weeks and just really took a breath, tried to understand what was happening and how to work. And then I really delved into telehealth. Telehealth has been amazing, as I'm sure it has been for all of you out there. I think many people were doing it pre-COVID, but not definitely not to the numbers that we are now. I had done it a few times using a different platform, but it, it was kind of awkward and clunky, and I didn't really understand it. It wasn't until COVID that I went, okay, this is how it's going to be. I've got to make the best of it. So I did what I do and I took a couple of classes on lactation telehealth. How can I make this work? How do I talk to the patients and describe what I need when I can't just show them? So I learned my words are super important. I need to describe how to put your baby in koala hold. I can't just say, put the baby on you and then lean back. I have to say, if the baby's on your left breast, grab their you know, hold the back of their head with your left hand, tip it back into a slight sniffing position, sit up and use your right hand to hold the breast. I have to be really descriptive. I learned how to explain to my clients so much better. And even more than that, I learned how to listen to what they were saying even better. I'm not in the same room. I can't take the same visual cues always, but I can listen and I can describe. And again, 90% of my job is education. Yeah, I don't have a scale and I can't tell them how much that baby transferred. That is one small part of this visit. I can even do a physical exam, right? I'm doing it through the parents. 
I will describe to the parents how to move the baby and what to do and to talk me through it and to send me videos and photos. We work it out. Telehealth has been absolutely amazing. I'm really able to do my work without being in the room with the patient. And this has also brought so much out there for many people. There are many people in this country and in this world that don't live within an hour of an IBCLC. They just don't. So how are they supposed to get quality care? Or sometimes you have a pandemic or bad weather or a mom that has another child at home that just can't get out. Telehealth is a wonderful way to see clients without having location restrictions, right? I can see a client tomorrow in New York and all we have to figure out is time zone and we both have to have good internet. She doesn't have to drive anywhere. There doesn't have to be childcare for the other kid. It's easier to fit in their schedule. I know personally, I've done a lot of telehealth for my own family's health since COVID. And for some visits, it doesn't work as well. But for most, it's been quite wonderful. So telehealth has really changed a lot. One of the other things I learned in private practice was how much I would see tongue tie or tethered oral tissues. I'll call it TOTS from now on, which is tethered oral tissues. It's not just the tongue. It can be the upper lip. It can be the lower lip. It can be the buckle ties. So those tight mouths really, really matter. Okay. And I wasn't seeing them as much in the hospital. I was seeing them a little, but it wasn't to the amount that I'm seeing here. Now, remember, in the hospital, I was seeing everyone who was mostly doing fine because we had great lactation coverage, and so I saw everyone. Now, I'm seeing only the ones who are seeking out lactation care, right? They're not getting the help they need from their pediatrician or in the hospital, or it's just painful or not going right, so they are seeking out care. So I am seeing the ones where it's not going well. I am seeing the not normals. However, In my practice, I am about, I would say, 80 to 90% TOTS babies. Part of that is grown because I get referrals from other providers who think there might be tethered oral tissues, or I'll get referrals from the pediatric dentist who does the release, or from the chiropractors who work with these babies. So part of it is that it, it has grown, but part of it is I'm one of the only people, I'm the only IBCLC in private practice in my county, which I will be leaving soon, but I was the only one around and definitely the only one looking for TOTS. I was generally not seeing any anyone from a pediatrician or the hospital who said they were told that the baby had a tongue tie. So it has changed a lot in what I do In the hospital, I thought a tongue tie was a little snip. Sometimes we would have the provider, the pediatrician come in, do a quick little snip under the tongue, take the baby back and breastfeed. And if it didn't go well, I'd be like, well, it'll get better. I didn't know. Again, I didn't know what I didn't know, right? So I didn't know that there's so much more than that one tiny string. It is not just a string under the tongue. 
I didn't know that that baby would probably need body work like cranial sacral or chiropractic. I didn't know to do rhythmic movements. I didn't know to look at where the body tension is. I didn't know about sucking exercises, but thankfully I do now. And I'm here because I want all of you to as well. And because now that I know that, I realize I'm still at that tip of the iceberg. There's so much more out there that I want to learn so that I can help my clients thrive. So let's talk about this podcast in general. Where did this come from? Why am I doing it? Well, selfishly, I'm doing this because I really wanted to. My family has decided to travel the country for the next unknown period of time. A couple of years, probably. I'm not exactly sure. I try to plan it out and then I just let it go. And I'm a very type A planner. I used to have vacations scheduled well, like months or years in advance, but I'm learning to let go. So we had wanted to do this. My husband and I have been together 24 years, married 18. And we talked about road tripping the U.S. and seeing all the national parks. Oh my, 24 years ago, we thought about we would do it in retirement. But recently, COVID has shifted so much in our world that we realize, why wait for tomorrow? Today needs to be our someday. It needs to happen now. And there's no more putting it off. If we want to do something, it's time to do it. COVID also showed me that I could do my job quite wonderfully without being in the room with a client, that it's truly not necessary. So that opened up all these doors. So we have sold our house. We have bought an RV and a truck. We have downsized to about 10% of what we used to have. And we will be hitting the road in about three weeks. When I start traveling, which will be, I'm recording this right now and May 31st, but it probably will not actually be out until the end of summer because I need to get a few episodes recorded before I start releasing. I will be heading up through Oregon and Washington and hopefully into British Columbia. My journey is personal for the things that we've wanted to do to see national parks, to explore, to get my children off the internet and outside again, and to find out where we should be. California is not an affordable place to live anymore. Not sure that most people would agree it ever was, especially in the SF Bay area. And I'm not sure where we want to be. The last few years of fires have really deeply scarred and scared us. And we were not prepared for that and are not wanting to stay somewhere where we have fire seasons. So that meant we need to figure out where we want to live. Only we realized, my husband and I, that We really haven't seen most of the country. I don't know where I want to live. I don't know where I want to finish raising my children, watch them grow up, retire. I don't know where that place should be. So this trip selfishly is very much to plan and to explore and to find that place and to see this country and to meet people. And then this podcast became about, well, gee, I'm going to be driving by all these amazing providers. I'm literally going to be passing some of the best people in my field and in other ancillary fields around this. I'm going to be driving by chiropractors and lactation consultants and ENTs and pediatric dentists who are amazing in this country. Why am I not going to stop in and meet them and learn from them and then share their knowledge? So this podcast became a passion of mine 
and the love because I really, truly want to get this information out there. You don't know what you don't know. And there's nothing that you can do about that except try to find other people who know more than you and learn from them. That's really the only way is whether it's a class, a conference, a meeting of a new provider in your area, watching, you know, listening to podcasts, watching other providers on YouTube, anything you can do. But I just discovered that this was something that I really wanted to do. And I want to explore. I want to meet all these providers. I want to learn from them. And if I'm learning and getting value out of this, I'm sure you will too. I am going to do my absolute best to meet as many providers as I can. There are so many amazing people all over this country doing their best. Some of them are very well known, like Richard Baxter wrote the tongue tie book. And some of them, you know, might be hiding in their little corner doing their thing and not be as well known, but are really helping their clients thrive. And my goal is to get that knowledge out there for us all to share and to learn from each other, to really understand and to see it from the other lens. I don't practice like a chiropractor or an ENT. I'm not a cranial sacral therapist and I don't want to be. I'm not doing this to try to become somebody else. I'm doing this to be better lactation consultant. I'm doing this to serve my clients better, to help them so they can understand what will happen at those appointments, to give me a perspective, to look for things that might mean we need a referral. Before understanding how body work worked, I wasn't looking. I never assessed my baby's body tension I never moved their hips and felt for that tension. I never did little arm arm circles to figure out where their tension was. I didn't do any of that because I didn't know. Now, when I lay down a baby and I'm assessing them as part of my head-to-toe assessment that I had done for 15 years in labor and delivery where totally reflexive for me. I will put a baby down and just start my hands at their head and work to their toes. I'll go from fontanelles all the way to the Babinski. I'll feel their clavicles. I'll feel for hip click. I did it for 15 years. It was a head to toe assessment on every baby. So it's absolutely reflexive for me now, but now I've added in more. Now I'll lay that baby on their side and look, are their ear, shoulder, and hip in a line? Is their cheek resting on the ground? Thankfully, I learned that in a wonderful class on structure and function from Jade and Halloran. I have, you know, reflexes that I learned from Brenna Sampy's masterclass that Brenna Sampy taught a a section on reflexes. And I learned how to really look at those reflexes deeper, not just look for is the Moro, is the the Babinski, is the suck there, but really look at them. Really look, are they equal? Are they bilateral equal? Or do we have asymmetrical reflexes? So those are now becoming standard parts of my assessment. And I'm to the point where I can even talk the parents through it virtually. I can say, let's turn the baby. Let's watch for their fencer reflex. And what does that mean? How is it different on one side from the other? And why did it not show up evenly? And I can talk the clients through it. And when I do that, when I sit and show them that their baby's fencer reflex or ATNR was very pronounced on one side and not evident on the other side. 
when I show them that on that same side, they didn't have a spinal gallant, but they had it on the side that had a fencer. That gives the parents more understanding of what body work is supposed to be doing for their child. I can say to them, these are areas that I see your baby's tension and not full function. This is how body work is going to help. I am not a body work practitioner. I am not treating these things. I am assessing for and referring out because that's what you do in a team. We all need teammates. And even for my virtual clients when they're across the country and I may not have a good provider to refer them to, I do the absolute best I can to find one and to get them some information. So being part of a team is necessary. And as I said, even if you don't know everybody in your team, you have a larger network in a team, hopefully, as well. I can reach out to IBCLCs throughout the entire country and ask, who do you refer in your area for body work? Who do you refer to for a good phrenectomy release? Who sees your clients for great care over in your area? If we need an SLP, if we need a CST, who's amazing in your area? And reaching out to other providers not only helps me serve this client better and helps me get them quality referrals to help them on their progression and their learning, but it does more than that. It also connects me with other providers. It tells me, hey, there's this amazing provider in this area of North Carolina or over here in Idaho or in Southern California that I should reach out to. It connects me with other people who are doing wonderful work to serve the families in their area. And that is priceless. Getting that connection with other providers is how we learn. It's how I can better serve my clients. It's how I can understand more and really feed my hunger for knowledge because I love learning. I want to learn everything I can. And when I, when I get there, I, it, the finish line will change. There really never is a finish line. I even tell my kids that you need to learn something new every day in life. Life is boring without learning. I already know what I know. I want to learn more. I want to learn how other providers help people. I want to learn how different cultures handle breastfeeding. I want to learn about how things are different somewhere else. I want to learn everything I can because this world is amazing and there are so many different people. And when we stop looking at Every day is a learning experience and we stop realizing that other people have so much to teach us and we only focus on what we can teach them. We're missing out big time, big time guys. And I don't want to miss out in life. I want to learn from everyone else. And if I can teach someone great, I am happy to share my knowledge and to try to teach somebody else, whether it's a client who I love teaching or I've had an intern recently who has been amazing. It's been such a wonderful experience for me to have an intern and to be a teacher. It's been really wonderful. And the truth of it is, I think I learned more from her than she probably did for me because every day you have a chance to learn something. If you take that attitude, if you look at life and you say every day, I want to learn something great, you will. 
So that's where this podcast came from. I'm going to travel throughout the country and hopefully if the border opens into British Columbia and Alberta and parts of Canada as well, I am going to explore this great nation and more with my family. We will be traveling with a truck and a trailer and my computer and mic and my virtual clients and I will be meeting providers. I will be seeing office spaces and taking my clients everywhere virtually with me. I will be also outside and exploring every national park I can get to because I love nature. I will be trying to see as many animals as possible on my bucket list is a moose. I've never seen a moose or a bear. Um, I'm less, I feel like I'm less likely to see a bear. So a moose is higher on my list, but we'll see. And I'm going to take you on this journey with me. So my plan for the podcast is to interview providers And to also have some episodes in here where I'm letting you know along the journey what's been happening for me and what both personally and professionally, what I've seen, what's been amazing about this country out there, but also professionally, what has it been like meeting with these providers? What have I learned and and had time to reflect back on? How is it changing my practice and my thought process as a provider? And where do I want to go forward with this? So throughout this podcast, you'll have mostly provider visits, but there'll be some of these where I'm checking in with you guys and telling you all about my experience and this crazy world that I'm creating and living in right now. I know most people would say by the end of COVID, they were ready to have some separate time from their family, not to make their living domicile, you know, a tenth of the space and to spend every day with their family. But I love mine. I love my husband very much. I love my kids. They're 12 and nine and wonderful ages to go out and explore. And I also, my kids are old enough for me to realize that it's not that far before they go off to high school and college and they don't really need me in the same way anymore. They will always need me. I know that because I always need my mother, but it's different. And I'm close enough to that now that I can really, truly, I can be thankful and I can really appreciate the time that I have now and savor it. I can see that my 12-year-old is not going to be little for much longer. And at some point, her friends are going to be more important than her family. And that is normal and appropriate. But for now, I'm going to savor every day that she wants to be my best friend. And I'm going to savor all of these experiences and I'm not going to waste a day. I'm going to take every day and I'm going to do something amazing and I'm going to learn and I'm going to explore. And I hope you will come on this ride with me because it's going to be pretty fantastic and definitely a little crazy, but hop on and let's have some fun. Okay. See you in the next episode. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change you. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today and learned something new. If you know someone who would benefit from this podcast, please share. 